Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with How Big Is Your God? as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. O Zion that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work is before him. The coming of our Lord. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Now this is obvious, a reference to Jesus Christ. Behold, Jehovah God will come with a strong hand. His arm will rule. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Jesus said, Behold, I come, and my reward is with me in his messages to the churches. For he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. And so Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. And then it declares of the greatness of his power and of his glory, who measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, the great oceans of the earth, the Atlantic, Pacific, Antarctic, Arctic, Indian, measured them in the hollow of his hand. That's a pretty big God. When you fly over the Atlantic or Pacific, and you see all that water that is there, and there it is, he's measured it out. Here, let's create the oceans. Whew, how great. But even more, He meted out the heaven with the span, the measurement for the universe. Now, someone came to me this morning and said that he read an article the other day that we have just discovered a galaxy that is 50 billion light years away. Now, I have to question that figure. How do they know it's 50 billion light years away? could be 49. (laughs) I mean, when you get that far off, how can you really know? You see, there's a lot of assumptions that have to be made to come up with a figure like that. One of the assumptions is that light always travels at 186,000 miles a second. That may not be a correct assumption. There may be variables that will cause a change of the speed of light that we don't know. Aspects of physics that may be that the speed of light isn't constant. So it's a lot of guesswork. But at any rate, when he told me that he read this article that they found this galaxy 50 billion light years away, I said, wow, God's even bigger, isn't he? Because he measured the thing with a span. I don't care how big it is. He meted out the heavens with a span. How big is your God? 
It is so important that our theology be correct because if our theology is not correct, then we're going to have problems all the way along. Knowing God is the most important thing in the world, knowing the truth of God. And God has revealed the truth concerning himself in this book. And God is so great and so vast and so powerful, so awesome, that he measured the waters in the palm of his hand and he meted out the heavens with his span. He comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. God comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. Have you ever wondered how many grains of sand there might be here upon the earth? You know that they've actually sort of come up with a figure? And you know that the figure that they have come up with is approximately what they figure to be the number of stars in the heaven? Now, it is interesting that when God said to Abraham, even as the stars of the heaven are innumerable and the sands of the sea, so will your descendants be innumerable. But God made a comparison between the stars of the heaven and the sands of the sea, and they believe that it is something like 10 to the 25th power is the number by weighing the earth and the grains of sand and so forth. And they, they you know, gotten a formula by which they came to that. But, you know, who knows? Who counted? <laughs> Once more, who cares? Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? I have. Man, I've directed God in so many things. I've sought so many times to take over the reins and tell God how he ought to do it. Now, Lord, I've got it all figured out. If you'll just do this and this and this, you know, just, it'll be smooth, Lord. It'll just really work like a clock, you know. I've sought to direct God. Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor who hath taught him. And in, in reality, we've all endeavored to do this a time or two, to teach God what's best for us. With whom did he take counsel, and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Now, as we realize the greatness and the vastness of God and surely the power and the wisdom of God, how foolish for me to attempt to instruct God in anything. And yet so often our prayers are like little information times. Now, Lord, I want you to know what's going on. And I don't like it, you know. And I, and I start laying the trip on God, you know, and this is what they did, and this is what I said. Hey, he, you know, what are you telling him that he doesn't already know? Who's given God understanding? Who's instructed him? Our, our very endeavor to do so only indicates our, our lack of a true comprehension of the omniscience of God. This is what makes these doctrines of you know, prosperity and everybody ought to be healed and all of this, so ridiculous. 
because the effect of these doctrines is to place man in the driver's seat and God in the servant's seat. And now I am directing God what to do and how to do it. And rather than me taking my orders from God, it's reversed, and God's got to be taking orders from me. And rather than God's will being done, there's an insistence that my will be done. And that whole system just is utterly blasphemous to think that I know better than does God what should be done in a given situation. Or I know what's best for me. I don't. I do. What's best for me is God to work out his will perfectly and completely in my life. That's what's best for me. Nothing finer could ever happen to me. Behold, the nations are like a drop in a bucket. So that's where that phrase, a drop in a bucket, has come from. They are counted as the small dust in the balance. In those days, of course, they did all of their weighing in, in, in balance scales. They had their little weights. And in Proverbs, you remember how God doesn't like diverse weights? Some of the crooked merchants would have one weight for buying stuff and another weight for selling stuff. And uh, they were both marked, you know, one pound, but... One of them was heavier than the other, and so uh, if you're buying, you use one set of weights, and in selling, you use another set. And God said, I hate those diverse weights, you know. And he really came down on them in the Proverbs. Now, other merchants, in endeavoring to show how totally honest they were, before they would put the merchandise in the scales, they would blow the dust off. So give me a pound of the almonds. And so he blows the dust off the scale. And I think, my, he's such an honest man, I'm not having to buy the dust. You know, he's going to give me an honest weight. After all, he's, he's taking care even to blow the dust off. So it was a common practice of blowing dust off the scales before you weighed it in order to show how honest you were. So it's a figure of speech that Isaiah used that would be very vivid and picturesque to the people because they could see the merchants blowing the dust off the scales. And as that dust is blowing off the scales, Isaiah is saying, hey, that's how the nations are before God. He can blow any of them out of existence in a moment. Nations that become so powerful, so strong, the Assyrian, like dust in the balance, God can blow them right out into oblivion. And God did. You haven't met an Assyrian lately, have you? God blew. <laughs> Behold, he takes up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon, the tremendous forests that were in Lebanon at that time, should you cut the whole forest down, it would not be sufficient to burn for an altar of sacrifice unto God. Or if you took all of the beast, they would not be sufficient for the burnt offering sacrifice. All of the nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing and emptiness. 
To whom then will you liken God? What kind of a likeness will you compare unto him? And, and he's talking now of the folly of, of the people making a little idol to represent God. What are you going to make him like? So you take a piece of wood or you take gold or silver and you start to carve. What are you going to carve to make a likeness of God? What are you going to make him like? Now, you think of the Hindu religion and, and the gods that they have carved out. Ugly, gargoyle kind of things, you know. Multi-legged and armed and, you know, weird. Is that what God looks like? If you're going to make a likeness of God, what kind of a likeness are you going to make, Isaiah says? For the workman melts a graven image, the goldsmith spreads it over with gold and he places silver chains on it. He that is so impoverished that he has no oblation chooses a tree. Now, you don't have enough money to make a gold god, then you go out and get a tree and you start carving out a little wooden idol. A tree that will not rot, so you get to seek to get good strong wood. And then he seeks a cunning workman to prepare a carved-out image that he can set it up and, and worship and say, that's my God. Oh, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he that sits upon the circle of the earth and inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens as a curtain and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. The greatness of God. Now, what are you going to make him like? And, and what are you going to fashion to, to look like your God? Don't you realize how vast and great and, and so overawing that he is that there's no representation that you can make in a likeness of him. Notice he sits upon the circle of the earth. The Bible did not and does not and has never taught a flat earth. That was the view of the scientist of those days, not the men of God. The Bible has never taught that the earth rested on the back of an elephant or a turtle or was being held by Atlas. That was taught by the men of science in those days. But Job said he hanged the earth on nothing. He was scoffed at. How ridiculous. And so here, the circle of the earth, the earth is round. God's word declared it. Scientists finally caught up with it. He brings princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth empty. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble, the princes and the judges of the earth. To whom then will you liken God? What are you going to compare him to? 
What kind of a standard would you use in, in trying to compare with God? Who's the equal? You see, how can you compare the finite with the infinite? There is no even basis for comparison. There's no standards. Lift up your eyes on high and behold, who has cre created all of these stars that brings out the constellations and all by their number and calls them all by their names? Now, the Bible says that God calls all the stars by their names. And if there's 10 to the 25th power stars, that's a good memory. And the names aren't George and Joe and, you know, but there are Arcturus and, you know, a lot of really fancy names. God calls them all by their names. Who are you going to liken him like? Who are you going to make him equal to? Who's created all of these things? By the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power and not one faileth. Why do you say, O Jacob, and you speak, O Israel, saying, My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? What makes you think you can hide from God? What makes you think that God isn't going to judge you? The prophet is saying to the people, you're only fooling yourself if you think that you've hidden it from God. You're only fooling yourself if you think that God isn't going to bring judgment. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, Yahweh, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. There is no way by which the understanding or wisdom or knowledge of God can be measured. He is omniscient. And yet he gives power to those who are fainting, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. How beautiful that is. That this great God who created the universe will strengthen me and help me in my weakness. Paul the Apostle said that he had a weakness but he said that that weakness was something that he actually gloried in in order that God's power might be demonstrated through him. For he said, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so it's a glorious thing that I recognize my weakness because then I learn to rely on him and trust in him. As long as I think I'm strong, as long as I think I can manage it, as long as I think I've got, you know, I can handle it, I've got it, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Man, I'll tell you, I'm heading for disaster. But when I say, hey, there's no way, I can't do it. Don't, don't panic, feel secure. Because in my weakness, his strength is perfected. Now, we're so prone to feel secure when a guy says, well, don't worry, I'll handle that for you, you know. I can do it. And we think, oh, right, this guy's really, you know, 
got it together. Hey, watch out, man. That's the kind of guy that's going to fold when the pressure really gets heavy. But the guy who is not certain of himself, but certain of his God, is the one you want to be around when the chips are down. Because that is the man through whom the power of the eternal God will be demonstrated. He gives power to the faint. And to them who have no might, he increases strength. Even the young, the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not faint. For the strength of the Lord is their portion and shall sustain them. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 40 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May God bless you and keep His hand upon your life to guide, to strengthen, to bless. May the Lord be with you. May He minister to your life in such a way that you'll be very conscious of the presence of God. May he just burst upon the scene and may you just recognize his nearness and his grace and his love and just be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. May the Lord bless, watch over and keep you through Jesus Christ our This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Want to know how to gain wisdom from God? Then don't miss out on Wisdom for Today by Pastor Chuck Smith. Hi, this is Cheryl Broderson. Growing up, I had the wonderful privilege of spending every morning with my dad. And every morning he would impart to me just a little bit of God's wisdom. Now you can have that same opportunity if you pick up my father's devotional, Wisdom 
for today. It's a 365-day trip through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and each day ends with a special prayer incorporating what you learn into your heart. That's wisdom for today. I pray that you have a wonderful journey with my Father. The gift of wisdom is priceless. Be sure to order Wisdom for Today by Pastor Chuck Smith as a gift for yourself or for a friend. Call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673. That's 1-800-272-9673. Or to read a sample, visit thewordfortoday.org.